Um, if you know Neville Boddington, anybody? Um, yes. So Uncle Neville passed away last night. And uh, so we, we just really just extend our heartfelt condolences to the family, to Sue and, and the whole family. And um, we just pray that the Lord would comfort them and just give them peace at this time. I know it's been a while that Neville has been ill. And for those of you who know him, a real faithful servant of the Lord, a wonderful evangelist, and a wonderful man, really very humble guy. Um, I had the pl- pleasure to meet Neville a few times, and he really is a, a, swell, a swell fellow. So, but he's gone to be with the Lord, and that we are very happy about. Um, so if you know Sue, uh, don't spam her or just overpower her. We're waiting for uh, details of the memorial, which probably will be held here, so you'll be more than welcome for that. But just keep the family in your prayer. And um, Father, we just pray that even now that you would just comfort them and that your peace will just come to that family with the knowledge, Lord, that they know where Neville is gone and he's safe in your arms. And thank you, Lord, that there's now no more pain and that he's found healing with you in eternity. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Right. So, I is always before om met julle te wees. Dit is altijd voor mij een eer. Dat ik ik acht het als een baie groot voorrag om om samen met julle uit te hang. Dit geeft me energie. Dit dit versterk my. Dit verkook my siel. Soos dit sê in Psalm 23. <laughs> Because ik het vanochtend gehoor iemand bid in Afrikaans en het was so soos muziek in my oor. Dan denk ek dit voel of ek by die huis is, want in die huis van die Here. So ehm um, Ek gaan nie preek in Afrikaans nie, maar ek wou net, ek wou net sê, ek is, ek is altyd baie bevoorig om saam met julle te wees en saam met julle uit te hang. Um, so, about, we had our prayer and fast a couple of weeks ago, and I really, really, I must say I enjoyed it. Um, must I stand somewhere else for this, not to like this? No, okay. Um, and the Lord really showed up in meetings that we had. We had some meetings in the morning, we had some meetings in the evening. It really was a special time of prayer and fast. Um, I, for most part, try to fast in the mornings. Um, you know, by afternoon, I need my food, man. So mornings, mornings are good. But part of, part of the fast, you know, I, I decided I'm going to start a new healthy eating plan. That was my strategy. And um, I thought as part of it, I'm going to try and avoid places that sell some of the stuff I dearly love, like croissants and pastèche de nut and baklava, donuts, mm, beautiful pastries. And uh, I said, Lord, I need to just avoid those places. And then the one day I accidentally, coincidentally, found myself in front of a shop that I really, really love um, in Kenridge called The Delhi. And I said, Lord, this cannot be a coincidence, but Lord, I need a sign. I need a sign, Lord, that I'm actually supposed to stop here. I said, Lord, if a parking space will open up in front of the shop, I know it's a sign. So after I drove around for eight times, <laughs> a parking spot opened. And I went, is die here nie goed nie? Don't, don't do that at home. <laughs> yeah. But last week, Tim shared on, on, on who we are as a community, and he, and, he, and he laid down some of our real, you know, some of the values that we have. 
And he promised a part two, which look out for that. And if you've missed part one, go back onto YouTube, you'll find it there. But it was a very significant moment in the service last week where uh, we just affirmed our commitment to being intergenerational, inter intercultural. And that, you know, I really believe that whenever the body of Christ, and indeed in a church setting, is unified, we deal a hefty blow to the plans of the enemy. Satan falls every time we come together in unity and we come with one purpose to serve and honor our God. The, 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 the prince of darkness, I think he really feels it. And he doesn't like it very much. And, and you always find, um, as, as part of his strategy, that he would attack unity or trying to bring divisiveness or try and scatter people apart with small things and sometimes very little offenses that he tries to use. But where there's unity, and the scripture says it, there's a commanded blessing, whatever that blessing might be, but that's a commanded blessing from the Lord. There's a promise from the Lord to stay united. And I think last week was significant for us to understand the journey we're on as the Father's house. And on this journey, we, we also want to be more like him. We want to be more like Jesus. And, and as followers of Christ, we don't only just want to speak his words, but we want to do his works. And not only do we want to follow Jesus, but we want to emulate him, we want to imitate him, we want to be like him. And that's what we agree to when we say yes to Jesus. There's an exchange, a truth that is exchanged. It's almost like a covenant, a contract that we make with the Lord to say, Lord, we're going to study your life on earth. And Lord, we want to be like you. We want to have the attitude that you had. We want to have the characteristics that's very God we want in ourselves. Not for us. It's not for us. It's to serve others. We look at his attitude towards women, towards children, towards the lost, towards the broken, towards the vulnerable of society, towards authority, towards government. Just, just read, read the words of Jesus in red if you have a fancy Bible like Marlon. Read the words of Jesus and you'll find out more about what Jesus, how he viewed certain things. And he was always contrary to the beliefs of the day. Not to be difficult, but Jesus was all about heart and less of things to do to please God. Because you can't please God just by, you know, by doing works and things. God is less interested in that. He's always interested in your heart and your motivation and why you do the things that you do. We seek the king and the kingdom first. That's, that's who we seek. That's our focus. And, and you know, one of the traits of maturity and, and growing in, into Christ's likeness and it's often overlooked or bypassed, and it's not spoken much about, is unselfish servanthood. It's being a servant of, of the Lord. And I'm very passionate about serving the Lord. I'm passionate about being in service of the Lord. I'm passionate to serve the greater community, the greater body of Christ, but I'm also passionate to serve you, my brothers and sisters of the Father's house. I really am. I believe, I believe that's... That's, that's how we all just kind of look at this thing and say, I want to serve the Lord. But by serving the Lord, I serve others. You know, and I'm always excited to hear the testimonies of God's goodness. And, you know, it, it really gives me joy to see when prayers are answered. And I go, oh, Lord, I just want to keep on serving you because I want to see breakthrough in people's life. I want to see people restored. I want to see people fed. I want to feed myself. But I want to see people fed as well. And that's just a little introduction. So if you have your Bible close by, failing which, you're using an electronic device, then look at your emails or your WhatsApps. No, just kidding. Turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. 
So, so Jesus, in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. And then Paul adds this when he wrote in Philippians 2. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but the interests of others as well. And then he pointed to Jesus very quickly as our great example, and he said, you should have the same attitude to one another that Christ Jesus had. And then with that exhortation, he puts this reminder in from verse 6, and he reminds us of the humility of Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing but taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's no question and there's, there's no debate that if we want to grow and we want to mature into Christ's likeness, we give ourselves to others in ministry. It's part of who we are. It's part of who we are becoming. And, and being a servant of the Lord means living in the opposite of our primary concerns of everyday life. And society focuses a lot on personal comfort and personal happiness and, um, and there's a preoccupation with self. Be all that you can be. Experience your potential. Be the master of your destiny. You know, you're the captain of your ship. And these, these often serve as great motivational tools. You know, you'll see them in movies when the coach gives a pep talk or somebody you know, gives a pep talk to somebody else. You know, Stand up and fight and that kind of thing. There's truth in it, but not a lot of biblical truth in those statements because it focuses on us. It focuses on self. And you get also a lot of Christian self-help books and resources, and there's this very strong emphasis on self. And again, there's lots of biblical truths in those books, and they can be helpful. They really can. You know, some of the books that I've read over the years have been helpful, you know, to see things in a certain perspective, and they're good. But all of those things sometimes imply that our primary focus as human beings is our own comfort and our own satisfaction, our own fulfillment, and our own happiness. And it, and it, and it wants to guide us to be more successful in relationships and being more of a person and being a better reader, that's a word, better reader. It's more better than better, better reader. It helps us reach our potential, improving our diets and making more money, and it goes on and on and on and on. And they're important. You know, there's, 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 there's truth and there's lots of things to be gained from it. But sometimes those things take our focus of what it means to be part of this thing called Christianity or part of this thing of being believers of, of, of God. And that's knowing and loving God and loving people. It's, it's the resource, knowing God, loving God, loving people. It's the resources, and it shows us how to live as servants in the power of the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus Christ, our example. So I'm going to give you just a small little definition of servanthood, and then we'll look at some things that Jesus did. It can be defined as a state or condition of one who is like a servant and a servant who is under submission to others. And for us as followers of Christ, our submission is always first and foremost to God. And then in submission to one another. Tim alluded to this last week a little bit. A servant is one who seeks the, to meet the real needs of others or persons or people that the servant is serving. It means willingly giving oneself to minister to and for others and to do whatever it takes to accomplish which is best for each other. 
A servant is one when even in positions of leadership takes to lead and influence other, others through lives given in ministry for the blessing of others and to fulfill their needs. Now, Jesus came with that commitment to serve. If he came to be served, his death on the cross, his resurrection, our redemption would never have taken place. If he did not lay down his life as a servant, even called him, you know, he was even referred to in the Old Testament as the suffering servant. If he did not come as a servant, none of what we know in terms of being saved or being redeemed or being washed in his blood would have occurred. Because that's not the way Jesus wanted to die as king. He was resurrected as king. That's absolutely true. But he didn't die as king. He died as a servant. A servant's death. A sinner's death. The death of a criminal to be hanging on a cross. And Jesus epitomized servant living. He really, really did. And there's a number of passages that explicitly talk about this and deal with this issue. And it's, it's not often, often a nice issue to talk about because it, it means that we're going to have to you know, submit and it means that we might have to be a little bit humble every now and again. But it's important that in this journey of Christ-likeness that, that we want to be like him. There's about a thousand references to the word service, servant, or serving in the whole Bible. Now, I've learned if the Bible mentions something once, it's important. But if it mentions it a few times, it's really important. If it's a thousand times, it's like, man, maybe we should study this thing, which is at the core of our belief system. So in Matthew 20, it's also paralleled in Mark 10, and there's also a small little reference to this in Luke there's a, there's a scene that, that goes down. And Matthew 20, at verse 20 to 28. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him, him being Jesus, with her sons, and kneeling down, she asked something from him. He said to her, what do you want? She said, permit these two sons of mine to sit, one at your right hand and the other at your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I'm about to drink? They said to him, we are able. He told them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right and my left is not mine to give. Rather, it is for those whom it has been prepared for by my father. When the other ten heard this, they were angry with the two brothers. But Jesus called them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in high positions used their authority over them. It must not be this way among you. But whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of, Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life ransom for, for many. Either we seek to serve ourselves, and that's a choice that nullifies our capacity as disciples, because then it's all about us, or we learn to live as servants out of that faith relationship with God through Christ. Those are the two choices you, you sort of extract from this text. Because Jesus in Matthew 6 said, no man can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one or you'll either love the other one. You'll be devoted to the one or you'll despise the other one. Because no man or no one is able to serve God and possessions. And when we serve possessions and money, we're serving ourselves and our desires for what we think money can buy, like significance and power and pleasure and security and status. Money in itself is not evil. But it's, it, it becomes evil for the things that it pursues. You know, when it starts controlling our values and our priorities and 
when it becomes our master. The, the difficulty with the love of money, it, it's when it pretends to be God. It becomes problematic and it becomes an idol and we call to live above the idols. Only God can give our lives meaning. Only God can give our lives significance. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and in Jesus Christ do we find joy, fulfillment. So there's this mother, you know, she approaches Jesus, she's got these sons. Now, either they put mommy up to this or they're mommy's boys and, you know, mommy wants best for them. I don't know. This, it's not that plain in the text. But I'm inclined to think maybe they whispered something to mommy because I don't think mommy followed everywhere and they're like, yeah, man, this guy's going to be king and he's going to overthrow the Roman rule and we've been chosen as his cabinet. You know, we're going to be ministers and, you know, minister of police and I want to be Becky Taylor. So, and she, she approaches Jesus. And I, and I thought about this. I thought, but why, you know? Why? Couldn't they just wait and see what happens next? But it's that, I believe it's that, it's that, that human desire for significance, that human desire for position that drives people to ask, you know, can I sit at your right hand and sit at your left hand? I don't know, did they, did they think that it will make them happy? Did they think through to being or having position or status that was going to make them feel good about themselves? And Jesus tells them in verse 25 that, hang on, your attitudes have been influenced by the Pharisees who wants to lord over people, who wants to be controlled. They didn't kind of get the mind of Christ about what servanthood is all about. They wanted to be important. And then there's these other disciples, they hear about this and they become angry. Like, how dare these guys come and ask Jesus for such a thing? And there's a little division that starts, us versus them. You know, these two, you know, we, it's division immediately. And, and that's our striving for position and, and power and, and all these things like praise quickly, quickly can ruin relationships. And especially in the body of Christ, very, very easily. That's why I started off by talking about unity. It's, it really is a very critical thing. And servant living does the opposite of what the disciples was busy with. They were seeking things. Servant living did the complete opposite of that. Because our act of service is an act of worship. It's like worship. It's to God. It's for God. It's about God. It's always about Him. God is at the center of everything. And I, you know, sometimes I've heard and you know, people say that worship didn't do it for me today. And I say with great love to you, it wasn't about you. I'm sorry, but it wasn't about you. It's about worshiping the triune God and say, God, I come to worship you. Even if the guitar sounds off, even if that vocal made a bit of a noise, it's okay. We'll look beyond that, Lord. I'm just going to come and just worship you because this is what it's about. I come in gratitude to you, God, because you've given me everything. You, I owe you everything. That's a free section. That was just bonus content. We, we don't serve or worship, or do anything for rewards. Servant living is rewarded long after we're gone. You gather for yourself treasures up in heaven. You know, your reward is, is, is coming. It's not in this life. I don't really care much for rewards in this life. It's nice to every now and again hear, you know, pat on the back. You did well. You're good and faithful servant. Thank you. 
That's, that's good to know. But I'm more concerned about what God has to say. And, and you know, one of the great, our great stumbling blocks to servant living is impatience. You know, we, just, we have this desire to be served, and, you know, it's good to feel important, and it's good to feel loved and, you know, desired and all of that. It's, there's nothing really wrong with that. But sometimes, you know, we get a bit grootkop. I've, I've been there. I've done that. I know how that feels. To be pumped up and, you know, blowing smoke up your... Does anybody know Yiddish? The language Yiddish. So I can say the word. No, I can't say that word. It will be a rude word. Okay. It's nice to have smoke blown up your tuchas. <laughs> Go look that up. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4 verse 15, it says... All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. The outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. In, in speaking to Sue this week, and knowing Neville, um, evangelizing and leading people to the Lord, I was reminded of a scripture in Daniel that says, for those who lead the many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. I'm like, I said that to Sue, and I'm like, Neville is shining like the stars forever and ever once he passes because he's led many to righteousness. That's servant. That's the reward. It's, it's, not, it's not for now. And there's, you know, there's, there's some consequences when, when there's absence of, of, of servanthood in the body. There's a lack of harmony. So the celebrated um, orchestra, director, conductor, and he was best known for composing the, musical broad, uh, the, mus- the Broadway musical called The West Side Story, Leonard Bernstein said this, and he was asked once, what is the hardest instrument to play? And without hesitation, he replied, second fiddle. I can always get a plenty of violinist. But no one, but it's hard to find someone who plays the second violin as with as as with as much enthusiasm, or a second French horn, or a second flute. That's a problem to find those people. But yet, if nobody plays second, there's no harmony. You listen to an orchestra; you can hear all the main instruments, but the others fill it, and you hear this beautiful sound as they all come together, and sometimes I like listening to these things, and it maybe just starts off with a violin, and then all of a sudden there's a little, another sound, and I go like, I don't even know what instrument that is, but it sounds good, I like that. And all instruments are required. Everybody has a part to play. It doesn't matter what your instrument looks like. You know, maybe you don't hold a tune in a bucket. It's okay. It's fine. You have another instrument. Maybe you're quite a good cook. If you are, let me know. We can hang out. Lack of harmony is one of the things that happens if there's, no, if there's a lack of servanthood. There's a failure to get involved in ministry. There's a, it, it's left to a few to do. And sometimes we, we feel we want to be ministered to instead of feeling equipped or being equipped to minister to others. I want the second one. I want to be equipped to be, minister, to be ministering to others. Now, do I always have the courage? Do I always have the, the faith? Do I always feel so bold? No. Sometimes I just want my bacon and eggs and, you know, the Lord would may say, there's a person sitting there, maybe you should speak to them. And I go, Lord, no, the Vorsi is lacquer, I don't want to speak to them. 
my worship can count for it. I don't want to speak. And I have to say, Lord, give me the courage. Give me the boldness. Because sometimes the person sitting there, man, they look so troubled. And I'm just so scared they'll go, oh, go away. So I have to pray, Lord, help me. Do I always, you know, do I always feel like it? No, I don't always feel like it. I'm still just a human being. You know, I don't always get it right. But when I, when I do and I, when I'm obedient, I actually feel, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to do this. That was a blessing to that person. It might have changed their lives forever, you know. Who knows what will become of them. Maybe they'll go on and do the same. Burnout happens for those who are ministering. And it can be exhausting to serve. It really can. And there's, there's always pressure of, of being the one to serve. You know, people look at you like, you know, and you always say, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. But the more we are, the more we spread the load. We spread that burden. We spread the load of it. One of the big things um, that I've actually found as I'm preparing for this, I thought this is quite sad. Where there's no servanthood, evangelism disappears. There's a clear goal in, in the book of Ephesians about equipping the saints for ministry. And there's a clear statement about involving anybody, everybody in ministry with the various gifts and abilities. Not everybody can be evangelist. I suck at evangelism. I don't, I, you know, I can't go up to a person in the street and just talk to them about Jesus and try and, I, I suck at these things. I, I'm not good at them. I really am not. Because, you know, some people, I, I approach them and go like, what do you want? <laughs> I'm just thinking, I, I went for some blood tests this week because we had to, for a policy thing. And... Um, I've never been to this doctor. I don't know who she is. and hope No, she's not here. Um, I invited her. But um, so she had this little measurement thingy out to measure my chest and my stomach. The good news is my stomach is smaller than my chest. That's a good thing. I'm on the right way. Normally they are about the same size. And so she took this little thing and she put it around my chest and then she says, uh... I'm going to have to get a longer one next door. And so after a while, she wanted to weigh me, and she really rudely just took off my shoes. I'm like, lady, something I can do myself? And then she added in the scale, and she said, uh, I might have to get the one from next door. <laughs> and that was the story of my, my, of my life. <laughs> what was the point of that story? I don't know. But we all, serve, we all serve a purpose. And I, and, I, and, I, and I really struggle with certain things. I can't do some things. But you can. There's things you can do that I can't do. We heard earlier that, that Cheryl loves to listen to people. I don't mind listening to people. I listen to people the whole day. But it's not, it's, I don't think I'm called to sit and listen to problems the whole day. I do it because it's part of my job. But it's not, you know, I'm not uniquely gifted to listen specifically for Little flags here and there that can be addressed. I might see other things. And I'm just like, Lord, help me. You know, give me a word. We all have a purpose. Find your purpose. Mr. B, where's Mr. B? Mr. B, yeah. Mr. B has an excellent, excellent servant profile questionnaire that he uses. It really is very, very good. You know, sometimes you, know, you don't know what to do. Um, you know, there was a stage where I thought, I want to be a faith healer. 
I'm going to heal and I'm going to resurrect people from the dead and all of that. So I went for that fully. And after a while I realized, I don't, I don't know if, if this is really what, you know, what I should be keeping myself busy. It wasn't giving me any, people were getting healed, thank you Lord. But it wasn't what I was going to dedicate my life to. It was going to be part of what I'm doing, but it's not really the thing. Then I discovered prophecy. That was fun. I even went to the School of Prophets, which was fun. Really, it was good. I think Stephanie was, was with us on that. Yeah. I loved every minute of it, but I realized, ah, it's not for me. Not what I'm... Not. Yes, from time to time, it's good. You can do these things. It's wonderful. But after looking at the question and after filling in someone, I'm like, ah, this is exactly where... And this is what I do. I'm like, I love this. I'm just called to serve whatever that looks like, and I'll just say yes to the Lord again and again and again and again. Every time the Lord says, this is what we're doing, I go like, okay, let's do that then. doesn't matter what it looks like. And if it is a word of knowledge today, and if it's a bit of healing then, if it's a prophetic word, if it is to wash somebody's feet, if it is to clean the toilets, it's fine. Because the Lord said, the more people we have to serve, the more we are equipped, to reach the lost, the broken, the dying, the sick, the hungry, those that are far from Christ. Sometimes the, the, the absence of a servant heart leads to playing power games and, and you know spiritual king on the mountain, that kind of thing. And it can lead to bitterness and you know. Christian love is all about putting the other person first, looking after the well being of others, regardless what it costs. Even if we are called to play second fiddle, it's okay. And I, and I ask myself the question, is like, do I, do I have the heart of a servant, Lord? And, and what does that look like in my life? How, how am I serving others? Now, am I serving myself, just me? Or am I serving others? And every now and again, I've got to ask that question just to, A, keep me on the ground. I don't float. Because I'm, you know, I'm just be family, so I can be very open and vulnerable. Every now and again, I sometimes have that tendency to get ahead of myself, get all excited and all there. And I, and I kind of forget just, Lord, am I still on the right track? Am I still doing what you've called me to do? Instead of running around and doing all kinds of things that I shouldn't really be dabbling with or getting involved in. So how do we develop this, this, this heart of a servant? Philippians 2 verse 5, it says, Though being God of very God, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming truly human and was found in the form of a bondservant, and God exalted him. And the, the road to, to, to servant living is paved with that, you know, the solid stones and solid concrete of humble service to others. It's, humility is fundamental in living the life of a servant. It's, it's laying down our pride. Laying, on, laying down our lives. I was at some point doing some outreaches in, in, in some communities, and they're very poor communities. And I'd mentioned something to, to somebody that I worked with at the time, and they said, ah, oh, you know, but there's like sewage in the streets, and you know, people aren't clean, and all of that kind of thing. And I said to them, you know, funny enough, I never, I never noticed that. It's never, it doesn't bother me. Because I've, I've had to lay down 
my preconceived ideas. I had to lay down my pride to serve. And I said, I don't smell them. I see the very image of Jesus on those faces when we give them bread, when we pray for them, when we heal them, when we clothe them. I'm really clothing Jesus. When that child has not eaten for three or two days I, and, and, you, and you give them something to eat, I'm feeding Jesus. I said to somebody the other day, I've seen Jesus milk cows. They're like, what? Jesus wasn't a farmer? I said, no. I was on a farm one day out in Darling, and this guy sitting there milking a cow. And I just had this urge to pray for him. But I looked at him, and I'm like, Jesus is milking cows, because that is the very image of God, milking that cow. He's a creation of God. How can I not pray for him? And I asked him, so I just feel this need. I need to pray for you. What is it that I need to pray for? And he says, my wife's dying. Jesus milking the cow. That's why we do what we do. Not for nothing else. It's to honor and glorify him. And if we're really following the Lord like we should, this sounds very judgerach. Lord, forgive me. We, we seek to serve one another. If you follow Jesus closely, you'll see how he served his disciples. I mean, there's the very famous washing the feet and you know, after, after, after he died and, you know, they were out catching fish again and, you know, he was on the shore. First, they didn't recognize him. But it's very interesting if you read that passage. He had already cooked breakfast for them. He didn't wait there like, I'm now resurrected. You shall now serve me and, you know, oh, make me some food. Now, Jesus was such a Portuguese guy at heart, serving and giving people fish and Portuguese rolls. Mm, mm. <laughs> we, we, we face the reality of our own weakness, you know. And, and in our own energy and strength, we don't have the ability to give, us, give ourselves so sacrificially. We really don't, or according to our Savior. And it's only the transforming ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us that energy, you know, the grace and the strength. Don't go out to the Middle East because some guy said you should. You'll get killed. But if the Lord leads you there, the Lord will provide the resource for you to do so. Hear from the Lord. What are you supposed to do? Be wordful. Be spiritful. And those are essentials to being servants. Ask the Lord where and how you are supposed to serve, whether it's in here, whether it's out there, whether it's in your workplace, in school, wherever you go, on the golf course. Mm, golf course. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he says, Each one must decide in his heart what to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If whatever we do is not cheerful, it becomes an obligation. And that will lead to bitterness and resentment and burnout and you know, irritation. We never ever in the Father's house want to force you to do anything for the Lord that the Lord hasn't spoken to you about. Because it's just going to rob you of the joy of serving. You're going to do this with like begrudgingly. We find our significance in Christ. Significance in Christ. Nothing can give us more joy and more peace to know that we are children of God. That's the title we have. We are children of God. We have nothing else before that. 
We are children of God. And, and the life of a servant, yes, sometimes you might be taken advantage of. It's possible. People might abuse you. It'll happen. You get those ones that will continuously tug on you. Maybe spiritual leaders have abused you in the past. You were just serving faithfully. You were just doing, and they abused you. Either ripped you off financially. They made use of your talents in all the wrong ways. Made you promises that they could never keep. And you were hurt. It happens all the time. It's nothing new. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe you're just serving in your workplace and you're being abused by an overbearing boss or a colleague or a supervisor. Or That happens. Sometimes it's family. Maybe, maybe family has abused you. Maybe family has had unrealistic expectations of you that you know that you could never have kept. But they just kept on pushing you and kept on pushing you until you're just like, I can't take this anymore. And family is important. Serve in your families first. It's really, it's, you know, before you start reaching the world, reach out to your family. Serve them and serve them well. Your children, your wife, your husband. Opa and Oma, serve them. Bless them. Anoint them. Reach out to them. It's, it's crucial. Serve your family. I've, I've made that mistake of neglecting friends and, and family. You know, wanting to serve everywhere and go on this mission trip and that mission trip and going this thing. Off of it, I wasn't really even supposed to be on those things because I didn't really do much apart from just hanging around. And I realized I could have spent some time with my sister or my brother or my mother. Sometimes the best way you can serve is just time. It's not money, it's not things, it's not food, it's not... Did I just say not food? Um, time. Sometimes it's just an hour of yourself to somebody else just to listen. Somebody's just an encouragement to somebody. Just a WhatsApp. I'm thinking of you today. And I'll, I'll be praying for you. And if you say that, please pray. You know, sometimes you say, I'll be praying for you, and then you get busy and you don't pray. It happens. Guilty. So when I say, I'll pray for you, I immediately pray. If I've ever had you on the phone, I pray for you immediately. Because, you know, I get another phone call or WhatsApp comes in or, you know, I smell something that could be foodie, you know, how mine goes. Sometimes it's just having a little bit of compassion on somebody. Somebody who's lost a friend, somebody who's lost a mate. Just a deed of kindness. It doesn't have to be big things. You don't have to lay down your life completely and like, you know, sometimes it's just the small things that make the biggest difference. A little word of encouragement, a little smile. Because Jesus said, to the extent that you do to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did to me. And that, that scripture hit me when I saw Jesus milking a cow. To the least you did to me. I'm like, thank you, Lord. So, let's, let's leave that there. You just close your eyes for a second. I think there's a few things I would like us to pray about. And as I was preparing, I really had that sense that some of us have been 
hurt and abused while we, while we was just serving. You served in, in ministry, you were in a community of, of service where you were abused and you were taken advantage of and it cost you money or it cost you personal relationships and you were just deeply, deeply hurt by people. And as a representative of the body of Christ today, I want to ask you for forgiveness. And I want to say I'm sorry for what we did to you, which should never, ever have happened. And I want to ask in your heart that you would forgive us for what we did. And some of us have been so hurt that we've been hiding away. We've been hiding the, the, the gifts and the talents and the, and the calling that the Lord has placed on our lives. We've, we've, we've withheld that from the body as a result of hurt. And, and my appeal to you today is to, to just ask the Lord to forgive you for hiding away. Ask the Lord to allow you to dream again, to live again, to serve again, in just freedom. So if, if, if that's you, you don't have to put up your hand or come to the front or anything. Just pray this with me. Lord, I want to forgive those that abused me in the past. And Lord, I want to forgive those who are abusing me currently. Lord, I want you to set me free from the bondage of resentment and bitterness that I may live in the freedom that you died for. Lord, would you, withhold, would you forgive me for withholding my gifts and, and my calling from the body of Christ? And show me, Lord, where you would want me to serve and, and use me, Lord, for your glory and your kingdom. And then I also just had a sense this morning as we were worshipping that some of us suffer from low self-esteem caused by, by words spoken to us, treatments we've, we've received and, and, and abuse that we've taken. We, we have no self-worth. Our identities in Christ have been attacked as a result of that. My encouragement to you is just seek the Lord. Just hear His voice. Hear that He's written a poem about your life. And that He sings songs of adoration over you because He loves you. Find your identity in Christ. So, Father, we pray that, Lord, that we get to know you better. And in so doing, Lord, we establish our identity in you. Let us get to know who we are as you see us, Lord, and not as the world sees us or others see us. Let us not see ourselves from the perspective of others, Lord, but let us see ourselves from your perspective, Lord. Would you impart to us your ways, your will, and let your kingdom come in our lives? And Lord, we break off the lies of the enemy that have said to us, we're not good enough. We don't belong. 
We break those lies off today in Jesus' name. Free us from those hurtful, hurtful things and words that people have said about us. Give us new life in Jesus Christ. So if you, if you need more prayer, you can always come up afterwards. But we have many, 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 many. We have quite a few ministries in this church that check them out. I'm not saying go and lock, stock, and barrel, get involved, but we have hospital ministry. Hospital ministry is like the easiest evangelistic tool ever. The people in the hospital have got nowhere to go. The guy in the street can tell you, hey, bugger off, man. But the people lying in the sick bed, they don't have anywhere to go, man. They're like easy targets. It's like low-hanging fruits. <laughs> Those are like short targets. You, you can't really miss the bullseye. You know? Hospital ministry. Just go with once. See what they do. You don't have to do anything. Just stand around and just say, amen, thank you, Lord, praise the Lord. Maybe that's, somewhere we, that's, maybe that's something for you to do. No, connect nights. Just come on and hang out with people. They will love on you. That's the one thing that I can absolutely guarantee is they will pray for you and they'll love on you. And hospitality. People who greet at the door and the ushers. Just hang out. Just speak to Bertram and just, just once. Just say, okay, I want to do that. Let me also just be part of that. It gives the others a rest. I do this week in and week often. You know, People serve every week, and they do that with cheerful hearts, and they do that with, you know, with joy. But they, every now and again, they need a break as well. We don't want, ever want people to burn out. Hospitality is not that difficult. If you can smile, if you can move, if you can talk, you can hold a basket, if you can you know, serve communion, that's good. Youth. Sometimes it's a case of just, Helping Marlon getting kids home on a Friday night. And that is a serious thing. Because Marlon drives four, five, six, seven trips a night. Can't just be Marlon. It's your kids. I almost sound like an appeal. I sound like a politician. But we share the load. We share the burden. Um, And I'm not going to go through all of them. Worship is another one. Maybe you were one of those that's sort of hiding your talents, you know. Maybe there's a musician in you somewhere. Speak to young Jason, who, by the way, his daughters have told me that Jason is older than me. (laughs) 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 And significantly that way. (laughs) I obviously encourage them, you know, with that belief. (laughs) Um, Shine. Shine always needs teachers and people to help with the kids. Multimedia. Again, it's a few people doing this week in, week out, get trained. It's a good skill to have to know how those things work. I have no idea how they work. I just see lots of buttons. Somebody wants to <laughs> tell you a quick story. Some years ago, one of my clients had this, had this guy that um, they employed him, and he worked in receiving. And so one day he'd do it perfectly, and the next day it'll be a mess. And so they, they came to the point of wanting to dismiss this guy. And I said to them, well, maybe that's not what he's supposed to be doing. Give him something else to do. So they decided, okay, well, maybe they'll put him into, like, merchandising, hiding there somewhere. What harm can it do? Well, 
Up until this day, I've never seen anybody merchandise a fruit and veg section like that man. It is incredible. The potatoes are stacked neatly, and those grapes look so... Because of the way this guy operates. But I had a conversation with him, and I asked him, um, so help me understand, how is it possible that one day you're able to read this thing properly, and the next you're not? And he said to me, you know, sometimes it looks like the words are swimming. So that's the way I feel when I look at that desk at the back. Those things swim. I don't have no idea what's going on there. But if you're interested, get involved. Get involved. Speak to us. Speak to Bertram. Speak to Tim Marlin, Jason, Lynette. And with that, may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious and so gracious unto you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Don't let the sun catch you alone. Stay indoors. <laughs> Have a wonderful week. Remember Wednesday night, connect nights, and then we're back here again next Sunday. Bless you.